Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. It is interesting to me how a lot of times I'll go several weeks and the same topic will come in to me, parents asking questions, something about this grief journey that we're all on after the death of our child. And there will be several questions that come in with the same theme, almost the exact same question. And that's happening right now. And so that's why I decided to do a podcast on this. The question that's been coming to me quite a bit lately is along the line of what about me and those of us who are hurting so badly? I know my child is in a safe place. I know that everything's fine with them and God is taking care of them and all that stuff. But what about me? Why doesn't God take this pain away from me and my family? Why doesn't he care about how much it hurts us to have our child gone? And a while back, as I was praying about this because a parent had asked this question and it's still coming up, I felt like I was hearing the Lord speak an answer to my heart. And I wrote this down. I did send it out in an email, but I want to share it in this podcast and then we'll continue to talk about this subject. And here is what I heard the Lord speak to my heart. He said, my child... I know you are angry, but the basis of that anger is fear. Fear that you have no control over your life or those you love. Fear that what you believe might not be true. Fear that I am not who I say I am and that I am not really in control either. I assure you, the world is in my hands, but that doesn't mean I control. You see, there isn't any difference in control and being in control. Being in control means manipulating, and that is evil. That is the enemy. I give freedom. I give peace. I am love itself, and it is impossible for love to control or manipulate. I gave this world to man, and man has corrupted it. I will walk with you through the evil and corruption until you join me here, where evil and corruption are not allowed. With your own children, if you were to control their lives, it wouldn't be from true love. It would be from a selfish fear that wants to keep them captive. You want to determine what will happen to them so that both you and your child won't have to go through pain. And yes, there is a difference between building parameters of safety and outright control. You don't raise your child in a cage to control them. You find ways to protect them and teach them how to be safe, allowing appropriate freedom within that. There are three ways to force a person to do what you think is best for them or what you want them to do. Manipulation, intimidation, or domination. Do any of those show love? I cannot do any of those things because I am love itself, which makes it literally impossible for any of those to come from me. 
just like a good parent would do, I will be there with you. I will encourage you. I will bind up your wounds. I will speak words of truth to bring peace and comfort. The only control you have on earth is over yourself. You get to choose where your thoughts take you. Do they take you to darkness, anger, false blame, and bitterness? Or do they take you to truth, life, peace, trust, light, and hope? You get to choose who you will serve in your soul and in your mind, death or life. I want you to choose life so I am at work. Even when you can't see me, you can't feel me, you can't hear me, I am at work to bring light into your darkness, to bring hope into your hopelessness, to bring purpose and meaning back into your life, to bring you joy that you didn't know was possible. Choose life. Choose love. Choose me. I will get you through this without being in control, without manipulating you, without using intimidation tactics, and without being a tyrant and placing demands on you by dominating you. I will do it with pure and perfect love, which is what your child is experiencing in all of its fullness. I love you more than you can comprehend because I am love. You would not have love for your child if I was not in it because it is impossible to love without my presence. I am love. Choose to open yourself to that love so that you can receive what I have for you while you are waiting to be reunited with your child. No, I am not in control because I am love. Now, like I said, that was something that the words just came to me as I was asking God these questions to be able to answer the emails that come into me in a better way. And, and I, I do pray for God's words to flow through me. And, you know, if there's something in there that you feel like is contradictory or you don't agree with, then I'm, I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm saying those are the words that came to me that I believe was God speaking to me, but I'm human, and so I'm not going to hear perfectly. But I do think the message that seemed to be in there is that love is, is a choice. Free choice is a gift that is often misused, but it's a part of love. And if we don't get to choose, then we're like puppets on a string or a robot, in other words, choice, just plain choice itself, is a gift. And if things were forced on us, then it's not love. Look at it this way. If you gave your child everything he or she wanted, is that really love? Would, would your child love you? Or would he or she just want what they could get from you? That's not love, is it? And in the meantime, if that happens, then that child becomes extremely selfish, thinking that everything in life is about themselves and their comfort. They have no comprehension of anything else out there. They don't care about anything else out there. I just want what I want, and I want it now. And if we were to do that for our children, that wouldn't be love. It wouldn't be love on our end. And it wouldn't be love 
coming back to us on their end. I have someone who's a, a friend of mine that lost a son about six months after Becca died, and she wrote something, and I would like to read it to you right now. She says, Do we sacrifice the joy of having children to spare us the pain that occurs if we lose them by death or rebellion? I think not. The joy we receive from our children outweighs any pain from the loss. I would take my 22 years with Josh over and over again with the same outcome if that was the only way I would have the honor of being his mother. Going through all this has spread a little light onto why our Father in Heaven would create this world and allow us to have our own free will. He knew we would rebel, and he knew the only way to save us from ourselves would be to sacrifice himself on our behalf. He also knew the joy of creating us in his own image would outweigh that pain. The love we feel for our children, as all-consuming as it seems, is only a speck of the love our God has for us. Try to imagine that. It's impossible to comprehend. And like I said, this was written by a friend. Her name is Kathy Pelton. It's interesting because this came up again. We have a monthly GPS Hope Share and Care group. And this question came up just this last week in our group. And someone looked at me and said, what about us? What about me? Why doesn't God care how much we're hurting? And one of the thoughts that came to me was that one reason it hurts so much is because we love so much. If our love for our child weren't so deep, then the pain wouldn't go so deep. I guess I would rather have the love for Becca, my daughter, in in a way to know that my love for her ran every bit as deep as my pain for her after she left this earth. Now, this turned into a conversation in our group, and it was a really good discussion, and I'm going to do my best to try to remember what a lot of things were said that evening so that I can share it with you here now. One of the things is that I have chosen to trust and believe that God is good all the time. He isn't just good when things are going my way. He isn't my servant who will do what I want at the ring of a bell. My God is bigger than any man. He's bigger than any tragedy. And when I need to, I will follow the simple instruction of Psalm 4610, which says to quiet myself before him and be still and know that he is God, and I am not. The enemy wants us to believe that we're alone, but that's a lie. God will never leave us, and he will never forsake us. And you might be thinking, if that's true, then why did he let my child die? He did leave me. He did forsake me. And yes, I know, God could have stepped in and saved our child, our children, 
and that's beyond what I can understand fully because I have a finite mind. I don't know why he didn't save Becca, and I don't know why he didn't step in and save your child. But what I do know is there's no greater time for our need to have God at work in our lives than the death of our child because there is so much pain and there is so much darkness, isn't there? Without God, there's no hope. And without hope, we will be stuck in our pit of despair and darkness. I really believe it's impossible to be neutral. We either move toward God or we're moving away from him. But when we move away from God, we're moving away from the one who can give us the strength that we need, the strength to get through this. See, God didn't leave me. He carried me through the darkness when Becca died and after Becca died. And I can't say that he walked with me. I don't think I did much walking for quite a while. God isn't my crutch to prop me up. He's my wheelchair to carry me. And he certainly was during that very dark painful time for those first few years after Becca died, first two to three years. Romans 8.28 tells us that our suffering cannot even be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. And my thought that I, I just, my mind goes here a lot, and I'm, I'm thankful that God brings this scripture to me frequently, because my thought is if the suffering that we have here on this earth can't even be compared to the glory, that has got to be some incredible glory, doesn't it? If the depth of our pain, the glory can't even be compared to our pain because it's so incredible. I, I just, that just, that blows my mind. It's beyond what I can comprehend. I know it is. One of the things that I think it takes us a while to realize, and maybe sometimes we don't realize it, but we as parents who have lost a child from this earth, we have an opportunity to understand the depth of God's love for us, I think, more than almost anyone else here on this earth. And the reason I say that is I want you to think about this. God willingly sent his son to die a horrible, torturous death. Now, I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up Becca willingly. I wouldn't send her somewhere where I knew she was going to die, much less being tortured horribly and die an excruciatingly painful death. I wouldn't willingly give up any of my children for something like that. And yet that's what God did for us, knowing that the end result would be having us in heaven with himself for eternity. He did it because he knew it would allow us to be with our children forever and those that we love. The depth to be able to have a, almost like a front row seat to the depth of God's love for us is incredible when you think about it. He allowed himself to go through the pain and the suffering like we are at the death of his child because he knew the outcome. And he knew the outcome would be to have us forever with him and to have our children with him forever. 
Philippians 3.10 says that I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And we love that, don't we? Yes, we want to know God in the power of his resurrection. But it goes straight on from there and says, and participation in his sufferings. Another version says, and to know him in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You cannot have a resurrection if there isn't a death. And I'm talking about our own death because we feel like we died after our children died, don't we? It's, I've, I've heard it said, it's like I died too. They just forgot to bury me. And I'm just walking around in a shell waiting for the rest of me to go. There isn't a resurrection without a death. And if we want to know Christ in his resurrection power, then there's also a knowing him in his sufferings. And wow, we have that opportunity. And I look at that along the same line as the suffering can't be compared to the glory. I really do believe that because we know him in his sufferings in a a depth that most people don't know, that we are also going to know his resurrection power in a way that a lot of people aren't going to be able to fully comprehend. It's just, I don't know, I think about when we get to heaven and we see our children and we're there and all of this is behind us. I don't know, it just seems like it's going to be all that more glorious and all that more powerful to me. Jesus asked how God could forsake him. When he was dying on the cross, uh, a lot of translations, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was quoting David in the Psalms. And if you're like me, I have been raised in the church and taught that Jesus said that because God turned his back on Jesus as he was dying on the cross because of the sin. But I don't think that's true. I think when you really look at scripture and you follow things through and you dig a little deeper, David felt like God turned his back on him. And I believe that's what happened to Jesus, that he felt such a dark darkness. He couldn't feel God. He couldn't sense God's presence. This is Jesus. He's been here for eternity, right? And he had never been separated from God's presence before. And it's not that God turned his back on him. It's just the darkness was so dark that that's how Jesus felt. And he was quoting David in the Psalms. God never turned his back on David. God doesn't turn his back on us. Sin does not make God turn his back on us. If that were true, God would have turned his back on Adam and Eve in the garden. Think about that. God didn't turn his back on Adam and Eve when they sinned. He came down to them and was looking for them. It's the shame and the guilt that separates man from God beyond the sin. Once the sins, once we've accepted that gift of salvation... Our sins are under the blood, our sins are forgiven, and now it's our guilt and our shame that separates us from him. He does not turn his back on us because of sin. He didn't turn his back on Jesus because of sin. Think about it. That would mean that God was a liar. If God turned his back on Jesus, then God's lying to all of us because he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He doesn't walk away from his own. It just feels that way. 
Jesus felt that darkness that caused him not to hear or sense God's presence. And his response was, into your hands, I commend, I give my spirit. He surrendered to that. And even though he couldn't feel God in his darkness and his pain, I, I can't imagine what Jesus was going through. I can't even begin to imagine what Jesus was going through. I mean, I feel like when Becca died, I did not know. I had no clue that that kind of suffocating darkness even existed. And I can't even begin to imagine how dark the darkness was for Jesus, hanging on that cross, taking on all of our sins. But he surrendered to God within that darkness. And basically, he said, I trust you, God. I'm just, I'm giving myself over to you. And he was the example for us when we're in that pain and darkness. God has not forsaken us. He has not left us. We're in a place of darkness and so much pain that it's not getting through to us at the moment. And when I really think about all of this, I put this whole thing together about what God willingly sacrificed his son, that Jesus came and went through that. He was willing to go through such a dark place that he couldn't see God, he couldn't sense his presence, he couldn't feel him, he couldn't hear God's voice speaking to him. He was in total and complete darkness, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Jesus willingly went through that so that we could be with our children, so that we could be with him forever in glory that can't even be compared to the suffering that we're going through right now. How can we not trust him? How can we not trust a God who loves us that much that he willingly went through the darkness? He understands the darkness that we're going through, but he chose to go through it for us. We're told in the word that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. And I believe that we can endure the pain, our pain of the death of our child because of the joy set before us, which is being with our children and those we love for all of eternity. We have to remind ourselves this is not permanent. This is a temporary situation. It's a temporary separation. And we can do this. We can do this because of the joy set before us. And Jesus was our example in that, in the darkness and the pain, and just committing ourselves to God and trusting him through that. And God was our example of knowing what the depth of the pain was like of having our child die. What an amazing God. What an amazing God. He loves you. He loves you. And he is with you. He cares about your pain. He's with you. Wow. It's, that's all I had to say for this episode. And it's kind of hard to go on to something else. <laughs> but just just soak in this. Just soak in his presence. Just take it in, his goodness and his love for you. You know, we can have pain and peace together, but we have to surrender that pain. We have to give it to him and ask him to come and sit with us and be with us within that pain. See, the pain is in our soul. 
and peace is a fruit of the Spirit. And we can have both. God, I just pray right now for everyone listening that even in the midst of the pain, that they will feel and sense your love and your peace right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I want to let you know that I did take some of what I said in this podcast episode from my book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child. If you want to find out more about this book, all you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash WTS. That stands for When Tragedy Strikes. And that page, there's a page about the book there, and it's going to give you more information than something like a book description on Amazon. There's just a lot there about the book, what people have to say about it and other things. So I'll also put a link to it in the show notes for this episode. That's gpshope.org slash WTS. And I, I want to ask you to do me a favor. I ask this once in a while, and I just feel like it's time to do that again. Would you please give this podcast a rating, hopefully five stars on your podcast app, wherever you're listening. And also just take a minute to write a review, if you would, please because that helps raise it in the ratings if people are looking for something like this. And it also, think about it, when you are looking at something, you read the reviews, you look at the stars to decide if if you want to get something or listen to it. And so if you would just add yours to what's already there, that would be great. I'm sure other parents coming along would really appreciate that. And also share this episode or one of your favorite episodes with others and let them know about this podcast. Also, there is a course that goes with the book, When Tragedy Strikes. The course is to give you more tools than just the book can give you to help you move towards a greater measure of healing. And right now we're in the process of restructuring that course. So be sure to join me here again so that I can tell you more about it and how to find it. And also don't forget to check out joining GPS Hope for a cruise. There's a grief conference on board and GPS Hope will have its own track for bereaved parents. If you want to check out the cruise, go to gpshope.org cruise. And also there will be a link in the show notes. Let's go ahead with our birthday segment. We have Justin C. Hafer was born on September 16th and is forever 28. Rodney Lawrence was born on September 18th and is forever 49. Alistair James Fleming was born on September 19th and is forever 26. Nathan Young was born on September 19th and is forever 19. We know how important it is to acknowledge our children's birthdays, even though they're not here anymore. It's a special day, isn't it? So we celebrate with these families the day that these four children came into this world. If you would like to have your child added to the birthday segment, just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out the form, send it in, and I would be honored to share your child's birthday with our listeners. It won't always hurt this much. It won't. It takes longer than we want it to. 
and it can creep up on us again over the years, or it can be triggered by events, dates, sights, sounds, smells. But we learn how to carry it better and how to release it sooner when this stabbing pain hits us again later on down the road. It usually takes, I mean, there is no guideline, but it can take, experts say, up to five years is considered fresh grief for a parent. So even if you're in the first or second year and you're wondering why you're such a mess, it's because you're grieving the death of your child and it's because you love them so deeply that it hurts deeply. And as I always end each episode, and this time it's just as true, my favorite acronym for hope is hold on, pain eases, there is hope.